All right, everybody. We're back. Pete and Faz with a, uh, a live in studio uh, recording today. What's up, Pete? Live, in color, in person. What's going on? You're, you're, uh, you're laboring through the, the allergy season. It's May, and, and May kills me. Yeah. Uh, that is, that's asthma allergy central. So if, 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 if I really had it my way, I'd, I'd let them put me out and wake me up July 1st and like hibernate. I, I could use a good nap. That's a, all right. No, that's, that's, that's you, you couldn't, I, I guess I always could, but, uh, well, yeah. And you came uh, saying where, where I am here. It's like, there's all like the, the pussy willow flower tree thingies. So it's like you came right into the belly of the beast here with the, with the pollen. I said, you know, you, you have it. I have it. Uh, it doesn't matter where I go at this point. It, it just, uh, I'm going to get my ass handed to me by this stuff. I'm sure you can hear it in my voice too. No, you, we could definitely hear it. So you, you're, but you, uh, it's kind of a good, uh, way to piggyback into one of the top things that's kind of happening right now is that, the Mets are dealing with their own injury bugs and struggles. <laughs> I, 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 told, I can maneuver anything in there. Wow. Uh, okay. No, no. You, you found your way right into that. Uh, I fit in nicely with the Mets right now. Yeah, you would, you would, you know, like you would, you know, everybody has an injury from Conforto, Taiwan, Walker, DeGrom. You'd be on with allergy slash pollen. Right. What? Asthma, though, we'll make it, you know, I mean, sound sorry, a little I'm better. Sorry, yeah, asthma, yeah. yeah we'll, we'll make it sound better. Ke- Kevin Pillar has multiple facial fractures. Um, my 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 lungs are inflamed. Uh, what what? Welcome to uh, welcome to springtime. Yeah. Well, and speaking of Pillar, I think we have a, a soundbite from him. And, you know, he, while your lungs are inflamed, his heart is inflamed right now, and his face is because he got drilled. Like a 95-mile-an-hour pitch right in the face. Uh, and it was ugly, but... Like, he, didn't even get his hand up. Like, he took that square. You can't get hit. He, he's a he's a tough bastard, though, isn't he? Just Because you, you saw him go down. You saw the blood just like pouring, pouring out of his face. And he, he walked off under his own power. Where I kind of jogged off. Kind of reminded me of uh, uh, Victor Zambrano a few years ago when oh, he... Boy. Threw a pitch, knew there was an issue, and just kept walking. Uh, Kevin Pillar, though, has shown that he's a leader on this team. And I, I know you're itching to play that quote. No, no, and, no, no hit it, because it's going to tell you everything well, we're saying yeah, we about got, the guy we got right two now. two of them. So we'll go with. You know, I had to take a moment to myself to just collect myself. I was sad. Um, it wasn't so much about the pain. It was just about the fact that uh, this team's gone through a lot. And like I said, I pride myself on being available and I don't always enjoy the results of going out there every single day, but I do enjoy the challenge of being available every day. And I enjoy, I enjoy playing. And uh, that's the thing that, you know, hurts the most. My, my face will heal, but my heart's broken right now because this team, uh, this team's hurting right now, and, you know, I, I came here and didn't really know what my role was going to be, and I was gifted, uh, you know, an opportunity to go out there and play every day, and I don't take that lightly, and it, it, it hurts. So he takes a 95-mile-an-hour fastball to the face, yeah. and instead of laying low, uh, which, l- let's be honest, he could have laid low here. Uh, we saw what he looked like yeah. yesterday. It, it He doesn't look good. 
Uh, he could have stayed in the hotel room, could have said, listen, I, I don't want anyone to see me like this. But instead, he, he went to the ballpark, he faced the media, and instead of saying, yeah, my face hurts, which we know it does, he said, I'm worried about my team. Yeah. They need me right now, and I can't be there for him. Is there anything else you want out of a leader? No, and no, and you're right, and that's a, he could have never and most people would have just kind of vanished for a few days, rightfully so. Go would you have blamed him if he did? No, not at all. No. Uh, but yeah, no, you like those are the types of things where you know, like where, and especially at a time, like I think he would have. That's kind of how he's wired in general, but especially at a time where, like he just said, the the team is hurting, guys are injured, and you know, he felt it was that necessary to go and show, okay, I'm going to be out there and I'm not necessarily playing yet, but I'm going to show that, like, I'm going to gut through this and, and at least, you know, show my face literally after, get, you know, when it's all puffy and swollen and bruised up. So, you know, it's a good kind of lightning rod to help motivate a team that is clearly dealing with the injury bug for, you know, pretty bad right now. Well, he he's definitely somebody that you can rally behind right now just in the fact that he showed up to the ballpark looking the way he does and and faced the media looking the way he does. Uh and and we saw it over the last couple days here uh with, with this team in Atlanta, they're getting timely hits from players that they weren't expecting to get timely hits from. Last night was Tomas Nito. And He's been good. They are they are rallying around each other. Uh they they there's a whole list of guys on on this roster right now who are getting or who are playing every day who are in the starting lineup who we've never seen before. They they called up Wilfredo Tovar of all people yesterday. <laughs> and and yet they go out they beat Atlanta, and then yesterday they go out. They beat Atlanta again, and and yeah, huge wins because they 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 didn't. Tampa Bay beat them up pretty good over the weekend. They looked terrible like, over like, the weekend, and more than anything, I mean, like I just think it it just showed too that I mean Tampa is at a pretty high level just as a yes. fr- as an organization. Yes. You could just see the way they play. they the the I think you know like if you're a, if you're the Mets where you have this nucleus that's kind of coming together, like. I would look to a team like Tampa and be like, okay, that's kind of where we want to eventually get to because that team is on the same page. They are together. They they can hit in situations. I mean, that they put on a clinic out there. Very, very, you know, like they're they're tight. Like they the way they play, the way they kind of interact with each other. You want to get there. But the the way the Mets have bounced back in Atlanta cuz this thing, you know, between how they played there, the injuries, they could have gone off the, they could go off the tracks very quickly. Um, the two bounce-back wins against Atlanta, huge. And Edwin Diaz had a good quote that kind of stood out to me, too. I, this was as we were kind of prepping. He, um, he said, this team is really, really special. We're a family. This is a really different team, as special as any team I've been on, and I feel like we can do a lot of special things going forward. And, you know, like, look, that's talk, obviously. But given the dysfunction that was here, I don't know, the last five, ten However many years you want to talk about. Go back as long as you want. Yeah. I mean, you at least like to see those things. And, and just, again, if you're watching as a fan or people who are trying to, you know, do this kind of thing and talk about it, I don't know. You, Those are the things you want to see. And, like, the, the little, you know, uh, the things you typically see from good teams. So, 
you know, we'll, we'll see if it continues to translate on the field. Um, you know, they're still kind of going through it right now. But I, you in the past, these are the times where Met teams that were dysfunctional would not only just start to fall apart on the field, but in the clubhouse and, you know, behind the scenes. This they, team seems to like each other and get along and have each other's back, which is the number one thing you want. Those old Met teams would roll over and die at that at that point. And then, and then all of a sudden, Tony Bernazard would take his shirt off and try and fight everybody on a minor league field. But the, the other <laughs> night... Just an all-time, like, New York Post, like, icon. That, like, just, that's got to be the, the Met low of the last 15 yeah, years. That, that's got to be the one. Tony Bernazard. Now, you look back at, we're, we're recording this on Wednesday, so Monday night, uh, the Mets had had a, a lot, more than their share of injuries. Uh, and, and, and it was all seemed to be coming at once. It, it, it was almost funny to the way it was, uh, the way it was happening. And then Monday night, Kevin Pillar gets hit in the face and Taiwan Walker, who we just talked, I think we mushed him. We just talked about yes. how, how good he's been. Yes. One of, one yeah. of the brighter yeah. spots of the Mets yeah. this season. I think we put the hex on him, but so sorry, Taiwan. You know, our fault. We yeah. apologize. Bro. He he starts uh, experiencing some discomfort, and he's you were ready, and you were ready to go off the reservation at that point. Did I text you when you that were happened? Tweeting, texting, like you were, you're like, here we go. I have the text here. Well, how how long have what? we been dealing with the same stuff? You were, I, I, you're like, uh, this is getting ridiculous. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> you just you when you just start type, typing now, like just like how long? Two words. How long between those two texts? An hour and five minutes. So that that's probably the Walker injury and then the yeah. and then the Pilar injury. Yes, that's exactly it. Yeah. But but let's, you know, oh my God, and this is getting ridiculous. <laughs> yes. But now let let's shift gears a little bit and look at the bright spot. Jacob deGrom is is on the mend. He may start this weekend. Taiwan Walker had an MRI. Everything came back negative. It looks good. He might need a little bit of rest, but yeah. I, it doesn't look like they're gonna put him on the IL. Uh, J.D. Davis is starting a rehab assignment. Noah Syndergaard threw uh, two scoreless Looked innings. Good Looked good, yeah. Threw 93, 94, so. He's on the way. Uh, Seth Lugo appears to be on the way. Uh, the, the guys we're going to have to wait a little bit on, it seems like, are, uh, are, are Carlos Carrasco. Yeah, he's he keeps kind of getting pushed back, like, it's getting weird. Those yeah, are old Met. Yeah, yeah, this is like the. He, those are old Met injuries. No, even though he's not, you know, he's a new Met, but he's. He has that vibe going now where, uh, like, just these mysterious, you, you, you know, the things like where it's like, oh, he's going to be throwing off a flat ground today. Right. Like one of those type of situations where it's just like, just keeps getting pushed out. He's like, starting to turn into Jed Lowry with that. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm, I'm uh, I gotta be honest. Like, yeah. Like I, and I, I, I totally agree with you like that. If I'm understanding what you're trying to say is that they're, they're going through it right now, but it's like, if you kind of hold the fort, while the like the cavalry kind of gets ready to come back in, and it seems like they are, other than uh, Carrasco, and maybe a little longer for Brandon Nimmo also. But and the Conforto thing sounds like it might. Yeah, yeah. That, that that seems weird to me also. Yeah, he just uh, I don't know. My hope with him is that he is one of those guys who catches fire late because he can go hot and get real, you know, like, yes. like kind of unconscious. Yes. Um. I, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I think, you know, he's been up and down. I think the free agent free agency thing is in his head a bit. I think he's pressing 
a little bit. Then now he's gotten injured. Like, I almost, it's weird. I almost think it might be good for him to just, like, chill for a second. And, like, I, I don't know. He just has not looked, like, like uh, right. Like, he, he's uh, looked a little uh, off to me. No, that was your alarm. It might be time to take your pills. No, that was my phone call. That's okay. Uh, you know, it's it, it becomes an issue where sometimes when somebody's struggling, it, it's easier to just say, hey, go away for a few days. Don't think about baseball. Don't look at a baseball. Don't look at a baseball bat. Don't watch yep. a baseball game. And when you come back and your head is cleared, let's see if you can hit. And maybe when, when they get a few guys back. Less pressure. Yes, and, and maybe that's a route that they should take with Francisco Lindor and give him a couple days off because last week he started he started to look like he was getting ready to turn the corner. He was taking good at bats. Yep. He you know he was making solid contact. He was getting on base, and then the series against Tampa Bay happened, and he looked horrendous. Yeah, he he looked. That's the worst I've seen of him. He he was just. A mess. Now he's been a little bit better again against the Braves. He had a, a, a couple hits last night, and that's 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 all well and good. Uh, someone actually, uh, a friend of mine, sent me a text last night, and he made the comparison that every time Francisco Lindor comes up with a base hit, it, it, it's like the kid from Little Big League getting excited when uh, Jerry Johnson has a base hit. And you, you know, isn't there a little, you know, don't you think there's something wrong when you get this excited over a seeing eye single? Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's and he's not wrong. It's, it's a very similar comparison because you start getting excited every time Francisco Lindor draws a walk or he comes up with a base hit and it's cause for well, celebration. And that's the thing. I, I, I think also, too, I, I just think that, look, this team... Just things are disjointed right now. And because, I don't know, they haven't, quote, taken off yet, that also, I think, is intensifying the, the you know, way people are, are examining Lindor's performance. I mean, it hasn't been good. So no, he just, like, winning solves everything. So this team, like, as hopefully they can, you know, kind of move forward here. Because, look, I, I, I have now... S- you know, watching the sample size, and this is not Mets propaganda. I mean, I, I truly believe, even now, but most of all, with full strength, they can compete against anybody. Well, they're in first place. They're, They've got nothing out of yeah. their superstar. Yeah, uh, exactly. They're, they, they are in first place with, a, I mean, more things probably that have gone against them than for them. Um, and again, without a lot of key guys, without superstar production, especially Lindor. Um, so... That's the real positive that, you know, th- that these bench guys that I, I was telling you right before we started recording, I love the mentality of these guys. VR, I mean, VR is basically a starter at this point because of the J.D. Davis stuff, some other things, but uh, Nito, Pilar, uh, Peraza, like all these guys have embraced this bench mob thing and you need that, you know, for, for you know, for a team that wants to take certain steps. Like you need guys that are, happy and comfortable in those roles and taking it seriously. So there's things to like, and you just hope they kind of hold, hold the fort until, you know, the, the season, you know, the, these rest of these guys come back and things get into full bloom. So we, we talked about the bench before the season started when we were talking about what we thought could be a strength for this team versus what we thought could be a weakness for this team. And we both agreed that the bench was a strength for this team. It elongated the lineup it, it, it gave them some insurances 
if and when people got hurt, and we've seen what's happened over the last couple of weeks and how, how important it is to have a solid bench, and we were right on the money with that. One of the things that maybe we weren't right on the money with has been how good this bullpen has been lately. Yeah, we uh, we talked about it as if, look, it was going to be kind of a make or break for the for the team, that if the bullpen was inconsistent or, or um, you know, how it's been the last few years, which is was a, a weakness, um, it, it could take the team down with it. I believe we've kind of pinned out on our exact quotes. We kind of looked at it that if it's at least adequate, it'll hold this team together. And if it's a strength, it'll put the team over the top. It has been a strength. They th- This bullpen has been so good. Amazing. A- ever since... Yeah, they got off to a rough start on the season. Uh, Trevor o- May opening the, day. Trevor May had the, the tough outing in the in early season. It looked like the only guy out of this bullpen that was giving them anything was Miguel Castro. Yeah, but all of a sudden, and I I can't point back to when it happened, but this bullpen has turned the corner. Oh yeah, and I as of now, there's really no weakness in the bullpen. We've we've gotten on Jerry's familiar and, and all of his struggles. He's been very good. Like he looks as because I mean, look, uh, let's be honest. He has his times where he looks like he's a little overweight. He looks like he's like not conditioned. He looks like he's in shape. He's throwing hard. His pitches are moving like I've never seen them. He has got control. It's like he's you know like that was you know when he struggles too. His control. Goes, it's everywhere. You could tell immediately when he doesn't have commanders. Like he is, I mean, he's rapidly. I mean, he has been pitching in high leverage situations. But I mean, I look at him now as like like a strength, not like oh my god, like what could happen. He it looks really good. Like I, I he's really like of probably any any guy on the roster who has surprised me this year. Where look, you know, what I mean, like where you hope to get something out of him. Anything was kind of house money. My God, he's been like. He's been legit, like really good. He's been good. Aaron Loop's been good. Yep. Uh, Miguel Castro has been has been good. Uh, Ed- Trevor May, I like his vibe. Like he uh, he 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 kind of adds a toughness to the. To the whole back, you know, back into the bullpen. He needs a couple days off. No, he does. He he's does. He, and 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 not his but, fault. He's getting overworked right yeah. now. He needs a couple days to just sit back and relax because his pitches like getting a little but flat. I like, but I like him though. I, yes, I, I like him. Edwin Diaz, outside of one or two he's scary outings, has been has we we said it right before the season started. We needed more of what Edwin Diaz did last year and a lot less of what he did two years ago. And he looks like the Edwin Diaz of last year yep. right now. Uh, they are going to get Seth Lugo back soon, which it, will be a nice uh, add some nice versatility. Like th- it's it's going to help because he's going to eat up two innings at a clip, or maybe not at first when he's first coming back from an injury, but once he gets into the groove, he's going to lock up the seventh and eighth inning for you, no problem. Maybe the eighth and ninth if Edwin Diaz needs a day off, you're going to have to give him a day off after he throws the two innings. That's fine. But this bullpen has quickly, it's it's quickly gone in reverse, where in the first week of the season, we were very worried about this bullpen. It's turned into a strength for this team. Absolutely. And and again, and, and just just like with the, you know, the, how I was saying, the bench has embraced their different roles and being this unit, the bench mob, whatever they call them, and wearing the shirts. The bullpen, I mean, like, they seem to have, they're, they seem to be forming an identity themselves. Like, they... There's a certain kind of tight knit kind of vibe to them, which you like to see. Like again, you just think to the dysfunctional teams in the not 
too distant past, everybody looked like they were just on out for themselves, a bunch of individuals, everybody just kind of like not, nobody on the same page. This team, look, I mean, you'd like to see more consistency and more wins, frankly, but still first place and, I mean, a better vibe and camaraderie than I can remember in some time. First place, they haven't hit their stride. They have so many players that yeah. are not available right now. It should get better for this team. The offense still has not clicked at this point. It's because you, you don't have any any of your yeah. regulars in the lineup. But let's be honest, when the regulars were in the lineup, they weren't giving you a whole lot of the plate. No. And, but these bench guys have honestly sparked the team. I mean, whatever it is, this kind of like underdog energy they got going, like they, they have sparked the team yeah, way more than Conforto and Lindor, have, frankly. They haven't, look, they, they're they not, you know, they're not consistent. They're not all giving you two, three hits a game, but they're giving you the key hits. Tomas Nito is giving you the key hits. Yeah, he's got a little knack for, yes. for the big moment. Jonathan VR is giving you the big hits. Who, who I would argue is possibly the MVP of this team, right? He's been great. You know what's incredible about VR? Um, and, and, and if you don't mind, because you, you have your computer up, l- look at his numbers. They don't wow you. They are not close to what you think they should be in your head. Yeah. I, I, I think he, he probably has a similar on-base percentage to Francisco Lindor. Uh, his average yeah. is probably like 230, 240. It's, it's, he's hitting... 225, okay. three homers, 11 RBIs, three stolen bases. But yeah, he... But it's it's big hits. Yeah, it's all big hits, yeah. That's what, and that's what counts. It's crazy, I know. And he's play, He's good defense, good base running. He's hit big homer. Like, yeah, it's it's weird. Yes. It, the, this is what, the, this is what you want. It's all upside down. It's all upside down, but yeah. And that's fine. Yeah. He's getting big hits. Even James McCann the other night had a big base yes. hit. Yes, which, yeah, and he had been like, Atrocious. Like, he looks like me hitting Atrocious. before that. I would I would rather you hit because yeah. it's going to cost me less. But they, he had a big hit the other night. And then, of course, he, he's not in the lineup for two days. But that's because, look, Luis look, Rojas is riding the hot hand. And, and that's what Tomas Nito is now. And look, and that was another thing. You know, in addition to questioning the bench bullpen defense, which is funny because, yeah, like the starting pitching and the, the bats were kind of the two things you – hoped were or, or thought would be the consistent parts. The starting pitching has been good, but the injuries have kind of hit into that and the bats have just not been consistent whatsoever. Um, but Luis Rojas was kind of my number one question overall of how he was going to manage this kind of team with this kind of expectations, a lot of different personalities with a really, with a new owner who wants to win Um I was very curious of how he would handle it. Like, really, I mean, he there's just not there wasn't enough of a sample size. Look, I, I don't necessarily agree with every move the guy makes, but I don't expect to necessarily agree with every move a manager makes. But he's kind of handled this overall. I don't. It's not the prettiest thing in the world, no. and and I don't always like I said. I don't. I, I don't. There are things he does that are like all right. Like I don't. But I mean, again, if you told uh, told me before the year started that you know. This guy would be hitting, you know, Lindor would be hitting what he's hitting. Conforto hurt, Nimmo hurt, DeGrom hurt. You know, all these different things happening. And he'd be in first place right now. I don't know. Every Met fan would have signed up for that. So, uh, yeah, I don't – it's not the prettiest looking way it happens. 
but Rojas has done a good job. This, the, all of these different, you know, things that we're talking about with having to use these different bench guys and mix and match bullpen guys and bullpen games and stuff. Somehow it's it's all been all right, and he's kept the ship afloat. So I, I have to say that he's, you know, you have to at least give him kind of, you know, a, a kudos that he's done a good job. He It's been all patchwork right yeah, now. he's made it work. Like, you know, yes. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, it's like there's an old golf saying, there's no picture on the scorecard. You know, you can have a round where you kind of hit the ball over the place, but save pars. That's kind of like what he's doing. He's kind of scrambling. I mean, the whole team is obviously not just him, um, but kind of saving par and, and keeping this thing afloat while, you know, the, the reinforcements hopefully get ready and get healthy. When, when you have so many people that are out, he, the only thing that you can do as a manager when you put together that lineup card is ride the hot hand. And that's why you're seeing Tomas Nito play back-to-back days. And yesterday he's hitting fifth. Uh, they, they said, I don't remember when the last time was. They said it last night during the broadcast. But it was, it was a couple years ago when it was on the last day of the season. They were already out of it. And Tomas Nito hit fifth. That was the last time he had done it. Right now, he's a middle-of-the-order hitter, and part of that is because everybody's out of the lineup, and part of that is because he's hitting the ball hard right now. Yeah. Uh, he, he's prob- he looks good. He's probably hitting the ball harder right now than anyone else on the team is. Uh, and, and we keep giving these names uh, of all these people that are out. Jeff McNeil is out also. And Pete Alonzo has really given you nothing in this lineup. It, it's It's... He's had his moments here and there. There's been yep. zero consistency. He's not hitting the ball over the fence right now. Tomas Nito is picking up the slack of everybody. Sense. It doesn't make sense. It really doesn't. The, the other part of this, too, you know, in, in addition to the um, Rojas angle, too, because I've been very curious. I've been watch, keeping an eye on him just to see how he handles. You know, I'm trying to learn more about him as we go along here. Um, so I can, you know, form my own judgments on the guy. But uh, Steve Cohen, you know, again, we, this is a new owner who is planned. He has been aggress- aggressive already. He wants to win, you know, and I'm sure he wants this thing to happen quickly. So I was saying, you know, he he tweets, not the best punctuation, but uh, <laughs> sorry, Uncle Steve. Um, <laughs> And I was, I was curious to see how he'd handle adversity. You know, this is, this is a guy who's used to having things go a certain way. You know, I know, obviously, he built his companies up, and I'm not trying to, you know, he has done it his way. I was curious to see how he would handle the, the you know, the, the, there are going to, any baseball season, even in a championship season, you're going to have your stretches where injuries, losses, you know. Adversity. Bad pitching, adversity, you know, off the field shit. Tony Bernazard taking his shirt Tony off. Tony Bernazard. Um, I was curious how he would handle it if, if he would have patience, you know, just, and I like, it's at least, you know, you get a little insight on Twitter. He's been, you know, he, uh, the, the other night in Atlanta, we're banged up here. It's going to be a tough stretch here. We'll get through this. Keep the faith. Um, uh, this was Monday newsflash. We can win this game. And he was going at the, you know, the negative net fans. Can we stop the negativity root for a win tonight? Guys are digging deep. Gotta love it. VR knew it when he hit it. Keep the faith. I mean, he's like, I don't know. Like, I'm happy. I, I didn't know what, to, you know, like, because I'll say this. This was one of my fears with this team, and it could still bear out, is that, you know, Steve Cohen, guy who's, who's used to being successful, wants to win all good stuff, and is willing to invest basically crazy money to do it, is was that 
you know, if things start getting, you know, a little, little, little tricky, some adversity going, he starts leaning on the team hard. I'm not saying like a Steinbrenner type thing. That, that you, you, you just read my mind. I thought that's where you were going with but, it. But just, but in that, in that kind of vein, like, like that he's going to start like really turning the screws on this team. And that's when I would be scared of, okay, can Rojas handle this? You know what I mean? Like this is a, a is he the manager who's going to be able to handle like a, a owner who wants, you know, is like raining down on him? So less George Steinbrenner, more James Dolan? Yeah, I'm just, you know what I mean? Like I've, I've just been trying to figure out what lane he would go in as an owner and what his style would be. I've been, I've been happy. I've been, it's been, been okay. Uh, you know, we'll see how that evolves. But because uh, again, that that was that dynamic between him, you know, and him and Alderson are tight, and how it would work with this roster with a lot of big personalities, and then this, you know, Rojas is kind of a mild manner guy. I that dynamic has been what I've been watching so far. Good, you know, or, or as good as you could hope for, given the, the you know the situation. But uh, that's you know that's what I've been watching that one. He, uh, we, we were given, um, uh, when, when we got the, the, the bill on, on Steve Cohen, he was coming in advertised as a Met fan buying the team. And with those tweets, he sounds like, actually he doesn't, he sounds really like the opposite of a Met fan, you know, the, a regular Met fan sitting there thinking, Not you, oh my God. Yeah. Oh my God. It's, it's over. It's happening again. So I'm turning this TV yeah. off. Throw the remote. Well, I'm gonna see what you what you you you, you, got, you you tweeted too at that point too. You were. I, I think I put up the uh, the how many players were out, but Twitter only gives you 140 characters, so you know I'm not getting all of it in. Uh, but he was billed as a Met fan buying the team, and when you see those tweets, you know keep the faith. Uh, we're gonna win this game. It's he, he sounds like a rah rah guy. It almost sounds. Okay, nope. Here's your here's your tweet: The Grom, Carrasco, Lugo, Nimmo, Syndergaard, McNeil, Conforto. Let's take a break from this for a while. Why not add Taiwan Walker to the list? <laughs> wouldn't you want him to be healthy and to have to feel different from the? Uh, wouldn't want him to? Uh, wouldn't want him to be healthy and have to feel different from the rest of the team? You turned into like King Kong Bundy. Like, how, <laughs> how did you get the tone of my voice? You, from I've record, recorded with you for like 15 years. I, I'm not saying you're wrong because you, you nailed it on the head. I, that, that's exactly, if I had been speaking out loud, that's exactly how I would have sounded. I was angry. I, I was that very, That was my very, first crack at a P. Feldman impression. Not bad. No, no, no uh, that, that one, that, listen. Um, you had the King Kong Bundy, like, ah, ah, like, you know, like just like yelling at the referee <laughs> in the match. I'm going to ask for a five count when oh, this is over. It, it, it's, he sounds like a Met fan who is rooting for the team, and that's what you're getting. And it's, it, especially the after- The big checkbook. You know, the, the, absolutely. And after the after the last regime, the coming in as a Met fan and the big checkbook, like you're talking about, it's a breath of fresh air. Yeah. It sounds like Mark Cuban yeah. all of a sudden. Well, and, and you know, and that's the, see, that's the interesting dynamic to it. Like that, you know, he's he was coming into this where, look, after the Wilpon era, like Met fans were just so beaten down from that just like kind of abusive relationship for so long. Really, that's the best way to describe it. It was a very abusive, you know, like one-sided relationship. Where and it was, it's actually, that that's probably the best case scenario because like any therapist will tell you for, about an abusive relationship, we kept coming back for yeah, more. We, we wouldn't leave our abuser. No, 
And that's that's why really that's why I always that's the way I always look at it. It's just a very abusive relationship. Um, so and and you know so yeah you had that in with the fact that Steve Cohen has a you know much deeper checkbook than uh, than the Wilpons did. So add all that in, he was go- he was going to be beloved regardless. Then he trades for Lindor automatically okay fans like thank god like you're you know we're, we're starting to think like a big market there's team. a superstar on this yeah, team we're operating like a big market team like the dodgers or red sox or yankees have been and you know mets haven't been and uh but yeah again that's all good and well in the in the off season but in season adversity things you can't control where you're you know like like there's only so many moves you can make at a certain point um i, I was curious to see how he would handle it you know, uh, uh, he, he's been all right so far. I think he's passed all the tests you want. Uh, you know, he hasn't, like, gone off the reservation and put out, like, missives. Well, because that was the other thing, too. This is the other part, of, not to, like, belier the point here, was that he was, when all of that uh, GameStop stock stuff was happening, he was starting to get a little chippy on yes, on Twitter. Very. So I was like, and I started thinking, I was like, this is not a good mix. If this, this owner who, you know, is new to the, you know, being in the fray of the New York market day in, day out. He's going to be popping off with fans, um, you know, and getting a little chippy with them. If things aren't going well, like, this is this could be a problem, like, quick. He, he even deleted his Twitter at one he point. He did. So, like, I, I was like, all right. But now he seemed, it's like he's back. He had a little time away. And, uh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, he did. I'm proud of you. He Here's he, what I want to know about Steve Cohen. Because we, we, we talked about it a couple weeks ago that, they were. He was inviting uh, players one at a time over to his house yeah. for dinner. Uh, they were able to bring their spouse or whoever they wanted to bring. And what do you think he's serving for dinner? Um, I don't. I'm. Well, he, I imagine he's got his own chef. I would think so. Yeah, but because like he's a, he's like loosely based on. I don't know if you watch Billions on. Shows, yes, yes. Bobby Axelrod. So yeah, I envision it something like that. You know, Bobby Axelrod will like. You know, like like have the chef whip up something. I, I'm thinking that. That's my that's you, my, my my take. Do you think it it depends on the player? Like you know, oh like like, like a certain like, like. Well, Francisco Lindor comes over for dinner. You're you're paying him three hundred forty one million dollars. Maybe you you serve him something of of the high end variety. Yeah, and then maybe like. Kevin Jeff, Jeff McNeil. Yeah, Jeff McNeil shows up, and you just go in the back and grill him a like, hot like, dog and yeah, kick like, him out. Like yeah, like a hot dog all the way, like. Oh God! Well, he might not make enough for the all the way sauce. No, maybe that's uh, maybe that's Pete Alonzo gets the all the way sauce. Yeah, but I, I, oh, I I'm very curious what's on the menu at Steve Cohen's house for dinner. Maybe we should get find a way to get ourselves invited. Yeah, well, uh, he he would you know, it'd be a it'd be a smart thing for him you know for to raise his profile if he does a. A podcast of Pete and Faz. I mean, right? I mean, he'd probably like give me a knish and throw me out that out the door. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure that's how it would go, right? Here's your knish, get out. But yeah, I'm, I'm thinking- and and stop worrying about my punctuation on Twitter. Yeah, I'm sorry, Uncle Steve. <laughs> Don't hold that against me. Maybe so- with with his deep pockets, he can uh, pay for an English tutor for oh, himself. <laughs> Is this, are we going off the rails? I told you I wasn't feeling well. I told you I was angry. Here it comes. Um, I, I'm just, I'm picturing like a Bobby Axelrod type, you know, where he has Chef Ryan prepare. That's just, that's right. 
uh, prepare something. That's my guess. I don't know. Yeah, I have a feeling. Do you think when when he invites the player over for dinner, do you think he loses the suit? You think I, I, he seems like a guy? He's that not gets a suit. Anyway. He's not a suit guy, anyways. Yeah, he seems he like a guy that gets the, comfortable yeah. for dinner. Oh yeah, he wears like sweaters all the time. He doesn't really rock the suit. Do you think he's he's like answering the door in sandals? I don't think he's answering the door. Maybe like a hooded sweatshirt and yeah. mesh shorts and sandals. Maybe he's wearing a uh, Strowman uh, heart don't measure uh, yeah heart, height don't measure heart. Do you think? Do you think Strowman comes over for Strowman dinner? Strowman did get invited, I think. And do you think Steve Cohen just hands him a takeout menu and says, "Just let me know what you want"? <laughs> do you no. think? Do you, does he make Lindor pick up the bill for it? He should. He owes him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lindor. <laughs> Lindor is. Uh, yeah, he. Um, it's so bad because I, I, I like Lindor. Like I like how he plays. Like and I like that even though he's not hitting, he has still kind of stayed positive. I mean, outside of punching Jeff McNeil or whatever happened, he's kind of stayed he positive. He didn't punch Jeff McNeil. They were squirrel. trying to. It was a rat yeah, or a, a squirrel. That's right. I forgot. It was an argument. Um, he his defense has been great for the most part. He hasn't let it touch the other fa- facets of his. But game. I just like the hitting. Just like the and now like the. Pressure ratcheting up. He's just giving me like Roberto Alomar vibes. Like, yeah. So I'm just like, that is like my biggest worry that deja vu. So I'm hoping he just kind of snaps out of it. But uh, yeah. Now that. Oh, let me, I'm going to break up the drama. That one hurt me the most, Roberto Alomar. Yeah, he was tough. Um, I just, this is, this is non-Mets, but uh and I just want to celebrate him because I also I drafted him as a hitter on my fantasy baseball team. You drafted worldwide West on your fantasy baseball team? I would. I would <laughs> I would I wouldn't even play him. I would just have him just connect everybody and just like <laughs> help to get me better guys. Um Otani is just ridiculous. I mean what what is going on over there cuz I don't know. It's like it doesn't it, he's like on a different planet. Like he, I don't like I don't even know. He came over and crazy. He, he we, we we knew what he was. We knew he was going to be able to pitch and he was going to hit. He was going to play the outfield. Yeah, I didn't know days. how it all shake out. Like I didn't know what and, the and then he was arrangement. hurt. He was hurt for a while. But look at him now. He's just he's off the charts. Like what is he? He's hit like twelve or thirteen homers. He's only allowed two extra base hits as a pitcher. Like I don't even know how you like quantify this or measure. This. Like this is crazy. And it's like with the Angels, like how like you know what I mean? Because like. You don't want to burn him out, but like, how do you not keep this guy on the field that like kind of all time or like or just in, in the mix? I Especially mean, now, Mike Trout is down. He's yeah, out he got for rid of a couple holes, months, and and now Trout, yeah, Trout's out. But I mean, this is the Otani. You found this the Otani home run call. This is from a little ways back, but this is the the Japanese call, which is awesome. It sounds like they say something else. Oh. What did he say? I need a translator. Somebody sent me that the other day. Obviously, I don't. I don't go around looking up for uh, you know looking up Japanese home run calls or really do. or really home run calls from any nationality. But what did he say? Because it sounded like maybe maybe he was uh, taunting the pitcher. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know. It was intense. But. Oh. Yeah, I mean, sounded like something that would come out of like WWF yeah, 1997. Say, yeah, it sounded like DX. Like it sounded like what in the world? Oh. 
Now, when you post this, are you going to have to put up the NSFW uh, well, before that? When I post these, there's a because I you know I, I've I've cursed a few times in these, um, and uh, there's a <laughs> when you post, you could either put it as whatever normal or explicit. So you like, put it explicit. And I think he puts a little E next to it. See, that's why we do the... That's why we do... I gotta do... make that into a soundbite. <laughs> Just that one part. That's why we have to do this podcast in addition to what we do on WGBB. Because there's no way they're playing that clip. On... Yeah, that clip. Yeah. Suck a what? Home run, I don't know. Suck a home run? I don't know. I, do we I, have any Japanese uh, or anybody that speaks Japanese that listens to this? Because I need a translator. I want to know. Here's here's my promise. If, if you, anybody listening to this, legitimately speaks Japanese and you can translate that for us, in return and to show our appreciation, I will buy you a Pete and Faz t-shirt. That's because right. I need to know what in the world he's saying. I don't know. I think he, I think he said home run. That's what it sounded like. I don't think he did. <laughs> I, think he <laughs> I think he's home run. Yeah, that's not what I heard. I think, he heard, I think he, uh, that sounded like a home run Otani. Oh. Well, well shouldn't, shouldn't oh. it's pretty clear. You know what? I, I, I know what he's saying. He's on his way to Steve Cohen's house for dinner, and he's just telling him what he wants on the menu. Maybe. I think that's what it is. I think so. I, I heard a home run Otani. I don't know. No, 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 no. I don't think that's what he said. Are we even entirely positive that came from an Angels game? I, I don't know where that came from. That sounds like one of those maniac soccer announcers. But that was, uh, I don't know, that, that clip was on MLB.com. Good point. It was officially <laughs> sanctioned or at least recognized by uh, Major League Baseball. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I think he said, hey, Steve, I'd like my hamburger medium let me, rare. Let me put it this way. The way that guy's playing, he can do whatever he wants, and his, his personal ring announcers or whatever he's got going on can say whatever they want, too. Because when you are, like, when you're hitting a bomb every time you get up and somehow like a like a sub-2 ERA or whatever the hell he's got... I mean, you can pretty much do whatever you want. I think it's like a personal ring announcer. Like he's just got his like a wrestling gimmick. Like I think he's got his own like kind of thing going on. I think I think we should get a personal I ring announcer. Him. I would definitely if I hit one home run, I'd have a personal ring announcer. So I think we should have one for the show. Well, I'll post it on Craigslist. <laughs> see, who, see who bites. Can can we have a personal ring announcer without intro music? Or maybe the personal ring announcer gets intro gonna, music. Well, I told now that I I, I had a uh, I had two stories I was working on that were kind of like sucking all my energy. Oh, I thought you were talking about the Otani well, yeah. home run. <laughs> getting a home run. Uh, he's talking about your energy. Yeah, was, yeah, exactly. So that was what happened was my energy working on these two other stories. And um, there we go. It's like Doctor Evil when he can't like get in his chair. Um, <laughs> I, uh, so now I, I, I'm determined to come up or help, whatever, do something with an intro song. I, I come up with something. So maybe that will be the basis of 
of a of an intro music or maybe, something. Maybe we should sing our own intro song. All right. Well, I'm gonna rub pollen on your face, and then you just let it all out. Um, I said, <laughs> sing our own intro song, not kill me. If you don't mind, if that's okay with you. No, I want to. We're gonna just we're, we're gonna get your voice all groggling and just let it. Rip. You mean the way it is now? Worse. Worse. Oh, you want me to sound like this? <laughs> Maybe sound like, like a Bruce Springsteen type. Oh my God. I mean, it, it is, um, you're struggling, but you know, you've, you've got it, it out. You, you, I think Kevin Pillar, uh, you know, helped, uh, helped you get through this. I'm going to the Kevin Pillar school well, of being gutsy. Yeah, you are. Here's, here's Luis Rojas about, uh, Pilar with, uh, and just the, you know, in general, the injuries and stuff This is from my, I think this is this, actually, this may have been before the, oh no, no, this was after he got hurt. Guys stepping up uh, in situations like this and manufacture run, help to manufacture run. That just tells you how good this team is. And also with the adversity of the pitching, like not having Jake the run for a week. Uh, now you got to throw that in there. Uh, you know, guys are keeping us in the game. The bullpen's done a, a tremendous job when, when games like this show up. Like Sean, Sean Reed Foley did a tremendous job today, three innings after week one day uh, off in between. So these guys are stepping up to do to do whatever it takes to get a, to get a win. Yeah, that's another name we didn't mention before, Sean Reed Foley. Very pleasant surprise for this bullpen. Yeah, I know. Like, I, I got to be honest. Like, I don't. His whole like gimmick going on with the mustache and like the tough guy pitching motion that he does, Uncle like, Rico. You know, I, I didn't. I wasn't sure about it, but he's 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 done some good things he's, for somebody that they brought up. Yeah. To just hey, I, I need you to just eat up a few innings here because right. we're dying. I, I mean, because at first I looked at it, I'm like, all right, this guy's a little much. You know what I mean? With the whole, where he does like, goes into stretch and does like the like the angry face, like, like just take a breath, bro. <laughs> but um, he's been all right. He's been good. I, I can't, I can't even know. Tommy Hunter has been awesome. And he's like the easiest guy to root for. He hit a base knock the other day. Like, I like Tommy Hunter. Because he looks like me. Is, isn't, and, and that's really what you want out of it. It just, he, he I just want guys that look like you. To- Most people do, <laughs> not just in baseball. But they. Oh. Okay, they, he's just a guy. He he looks like just a guy's guy that you could sit down and and have a pastrami sandwich with. Sandwich, all things a pastrami sandwich. And 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 watch like. WrestleMania eight or something because he, he probably has some other insight into it. He just sounds like he seems like a cool guy to hang out with. And when you that say might, that's the next concept for my next production <laughs> is you and Tommy Hunter eating pastrami sandwiches and watching WrestleMania eight. I'm just gonna record it. You wouldn't want to watch that. I'm, I I want to watch you guys watch it. I I think it would be fantastic. <laughs> that's my next. That's my next production. Uh, we're just going to record you two and just let it. He let it looks go. like the kind of guy where you could say, hey, Tommy, can I get you anything? And he'll be like, yeah, let me get another beer. Just and a, a pastrami sandwich. And a, and, and a little cheese on this pastrami <laughs> sandwich. Like, oh. That's, yeah, that's what I would say. About. No, right. I, he's, he's good. He's good. I like, he's a, uh, that's fair. That's a fair thing. Yeah, he, he's a guy's guy. But he, he's a. Uh, but he's another one. I, I forget the exact one. I don't have it in front of me. But he said that, you know, he, he came to this team. Well, first of all, they gave him an opportunity. But yeah. he, like, uh, you know, he said that there's something about this team. Like, he feels like they got a little mojo going. The, com- the camaraderie on this team, it, 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 it 
you can see it. It comes through on the broadcast that they they genuinely seem to enjoy playing with each other. And <laughs> damn it! <laughs> yeah, they. <laughs> oh. We're not editing that out. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and take these headphones off. Let me just mark the time on I will, that one. When I say that one, I'll 40, see you later. 47 minute mark. Yeah, let me, mark let, let me know when this is posted so I know not to listen to it. Uh, now, I think now that I, I was waiting for a spark for an idea for an intro thing. Now I think we got it. Is it going to be the Japanese home run call? Is it going to be pastrami sandwiches with Tommy Hunter? Don't worry. I got some ideas cooking. Is now. it? Are you just going to take random clips? Uh, or like, I'm going to turn into my mad scientist version of myself. See, now that's where it gets really scary because yep. I've known you for a long time oh. now and I've seen the mad scientist yeah. come out and it'll... You remember, you ever take, you know, in history class, you remember learning about the Cold War when they used to, you know, they would, they would scream, you know, bomb or whatever they would scream at. And everybody would hide under their desk. Yep. That's pretty much what we need to do when you go into the mad scientist yep. phase. Just duck and cover because nobody knows what's going to happen. <laughs> You're giving me good, good material today, though. So I'm, it's, it's, I, the, uh, it's the asthma in the pollen. The, the ideas are starting to flow a little bit. Um, but, no, but all kidding aside, the, the, actually, I mean, I know I'm trying to connect some things here, but the Mets, like the the vibe I see with them, the camaraderie and all that stuff, and how it's now not only translating to Met fans, but around the league, you could, again, I've read quotes from players who play there and don't play there who, you know, are, are like, are taking notice of it. It reminds me a lot of the Knicks, like that, this team that's been very dysfunctional, very toxic over the last decade plus, two decades, whatever you want to say, that has, you know, tried to get back competitive and rebuild are, you know, they have managed to put together a team, again, after so many different combinations of guys that didn't work, didn't, like, fit right, where it's kind of working, and not only is it, like, having some success on the field or court, it's also leading other players to want to go there, you know what I mean, which is a very important part of you know, the whole thing in today's sports that, you know, guys have more options, guys have more control over things like that. So you, you know, not only do you need to pay them and ha compete for a title, guys also want to go to a place, you know, that has a good vibe that where if they're going to spend the next X amount of years of their career there, you want a little something. So that starts from how Cohen is as an owner to the whole camaraderie in the team. So the, these things like, I know they don't, I mean, they do ultimately show up in the win column or loss column if you don't have those things, but there is kind of the bigger picture that I, that to me is the most kind of comforting thing as a Met fan that even though it's not exactly where you want on the field yet, these kind of foundational things are getting into place now to, you know, to help hopefully build a run. That's how I view it. You look back at some teams uh, in certain years that have gone on and had major success and, and won the World Series, and the one that always jumps out to me is the 2004 Red Sox. They were not the most talented team on paper, mm. and I, I think every Red Sox fan in the world would admit that. They had their flaws, and they had a lot of flaws, 
But one of the things that you could not take away from them was the camaraderie in the clubhouse. Yeah. They even went and they, they traded the face of their franchise at, at, at the deadline. And that was Garcia Para. They got rid of him. And, and they, they brought in new faces and they went on the run. They made the big comeback against the Yankees. <clears throat> Excuse me, that's the asthma talking right there. Yeah. And they, they went on, they win the World Series for the first time since 86. And they didn't have, they really didn't have a superstar at that point. Manny Ramirez was, I, I shouldn't say that, Manny Ramirez yep. was a superstar. But David Ortiz, the, the legend of David Ortiz he was, was growing was at that star, point. He was a star in his, his era. Pedro Martinez, Kurt Schilling were at the top of that rotation. Mm -hmm. They were past their primes. But they had the camaraderie. You remember what they called? They called themselves the idiots, whatever yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and it like looked, Varitek. Yeah, Var and Millar. And, yeah. and look, as a, as a Met fan watching from afar, it was annoying. Oh, yeah. And it was like, okay, I get it. But when you have that camaraderie in the clubhouse of normally, eventually, it turns into sustained success on the field. And we're waiting for the Mets to pull that all, put that all together and, and, and show some consistency and put together a, a bunch of wins, 7 out of 10, 8 out of 10, whatever it is. And, 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 and we'll see what happens from there. They've got the important part. Well, not the important. They've got the hardest part down, and that's the camaraderie because you can't fake that. Yeah. But we'll see what's next. And again, in, in, in the short term, I think it's one of the things that has gotten them through a, a stretch again where there's just, I mean, there's so many bodies piling up on the injured list. That yes. Is, that, I, you know, I, I just, it's, they're being held together with like duct tape at this point. So, um, yeah, I, I uh, look, I, you know, I mean, like when you view these things or judge them or talk about them as we're doing, uh, you know, look, I mean, I, you and I are not like, a, you know, a lot of some people will just be the screaming heads and just upset about everything and yelling and screaming and acting like the world is falling. No, you don't do that. I mean, you know, you have your <laughs> moments, but there are people who just like, it's not like it's Isaiah Thomas. Right? No, but you guys, there, there's a lot of people who do this shit that it's like, you know, they, it's like performative art where they just like have to act like every day, like the sky is falling. I don't know. That's misery to do that personally. Um, you know, so I, you know, I try to view these things with some context and like, like, you know, just in some reality. So, you know what I mean? Like, so like if you're judging this team right now, you have to take the injuries as part of it. And, uh, you know what I mean? Like I, I didn't, there are some guys here. I don't know them and, and, you know, just getting to know them and how they're, they play and especially how they deal with adversity. Cause they, like this, this market, when things fall off, could really implode quickly. So that whole part of it has, they, I've been impressed by some of the guys' performances and, and how, you know, things have, are, are, have come together. And I think this stretch of, uh, 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 you know, this little stretch they're on, um, sets up being able to handle pressure down the road for big games, hopefully. That's how I look at it. They got to get back in. They got to get their everyday get players back healthy. into the lineup. They have to get healthy. Uh, they've, we, we've said it. We've, we've beat this point down in that they have the camaraderie. Uh, you can't fake that. It's one of the hardest things to achieve, especially for a, a team that has to travel and be together for six months at a, at a time. Yeah. It's not easy. And usually they don't. Right. Well, usually they don't. That's right. <laughs> That's why I'm making such a big deal out of it, because usually they don't. 
<laughs> like, really, I mean, you know what I mean? Because I, I know people would hear this and be like, oh, it's just like Mets fan propaganda. No. Because, but it's not. No, because that, that's, I mean, they've had talented teams and talented guys before. It, they are usually a toxic mess in the clubhouse and off the field. So this is a very welcome sight, and especially, and I, and I really believe it's helped carry them through a stretch where a lot of guys are hurt. Look at the mid-2000s. The most talented team on paper by far were the Yankees. By far, they were the most talented. But they never seemed to have that camaraderie. It was, it was, it was like the old Steve Phillips quote about Alex, 24-1. And, one. and yep. the Yankees just seemed to be a whole, bunch of, a whole bunch of players, great players. Don't get me wrong. They were oh, yeah. great yeah. players. But they were all kind of off doing their own thing. Yeah. And it, it, it wasn't until they brought in a, a CC Sabathia who everything you read about him is how great he is in the clubhouse, mm. and a Mark Teixeira, who you read the same stuff about him, that they put it together, and they finally had a year where they won the whole thing. But all those years, when it was just go out and collect talent, those teams didn't yeah. win. And the only thing you can point to is that they did not have the camaraderie. They were not 25 as a group moving towards the same goal. They, they, they weren't. So, look now at what the Mets have. Maybe they don't have that talent yet. Maybe they're still putting it all together, but they got that first part down, and that seems to be the hardest part. Absolutely. And, and, and again, and it, and it does, the way it's coming together, especially that part of it, is reminiscent to, again, which is, I feel like we're living in the world upside down times because <laughs> the Knicks are kind of the model team right now in sports for the, the the team that all gets along and plays hard, doesn't necessarily have the most talented squad, but just kind of has it working. And, uh, yeah, they, uh, the, the playoff bound. Sunday. Sunday's the big Knicks. day. What are your feelings on the uh, series against Atlanta? Oh, they're going to dominate them. The Knicks are going to win the whole thing this year. <laughs> okay, now you, you want – Seriously? No. I, I think the if you're looking for a prediction, I think the Knicks beat Atlanta. They've played very well against the Hawks this year. I think they've played them three times. They won all three. Yeah. Uh, I think they are a better team than the Atlanta Hawks. Atlanta, they have some dangerous shooters. Yes. But I don't know. They Atlanta, and again, I don't watch every Hawks game. I'm not going to pretend I do, but I know enough about them to, to talk about it. Um, they don't... I, I don't know if they have the toughness to to win a playoff series. Trey Young's good. Yes. And they have some really good yes. shooters. Um, I just feel like they can get beaten up a little bit. And, uh, you know, uh, I don't know. I, I just, I, yeah, I, I, I think this is a good matchup for the Knicks. They have a strong front court uh, with Clint Capella and John Collins. Yeah. And that's fine. That's not how the Knicks play. So you can go out and have a strong front court. Julius Randle wants, wants to take you outside anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, 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 the problem for the Knicks, like we've been saying for a long time, is Alfred Payton. I have <laughs> a terrible. I have a feeling that with Trey Young, especially if Trey Young gets hot, which he can do at any time, you're going to see less Alfred Payton, and you might see your man Frankie, Frankie Smokes. Frankie Smokes. You might see him pick up those minutes just to get a little length, wow. a little better defense on Trey Young. Yeah. R- you're going to leave R.J. Barrett alone. You're going to leave the, the veterans like Alec Burks and Reggie Bullock alone. The, the offense is going to go through Julius Randle like it has all season. Derrick Rose is going to keep coming off the bench. 
it's I I think if if I have to make I'm, a prediction, I'm excited for D Rose in the playoffs with the Knicks. I'm going to say Knicks in five. Okay, strong. I I'm going to I'll say Knicks in six just to be different because you want to rhyme. Go. Yeah. Um, Thirteen thousand fans are going to be allowed at MSG. That's great. It's that's, it's going to be that's a, again. These are all parts of you know because we've talked a lot about the Knicks kind of long you know the, the short and long term kind of thing they're trying to build. Um, things like that, where again, whether it's a guy like a Dame Lillard, you, yeah, you want to win, you know, you want to try to keep winning as much as here. I, I don't necessarily think they're ready to beat the Sixers or Nets yet, but look, crazy shit's happening in this world. And who knows? I wouldn't have said the Knicks would be a four, you know, no. four seed. Yeah. Yeah. They got home court. So I wouldn't have, if you told me that in, in the beginning of the season, I would have told you you're nuts. Um, so who knows? But for perspective players who, well, again, they all talk, everybody, you know, watches and, and pays attention to stuff like this. 13,000 fans rock in MSG, hopefully, you know, like in a playoff game and if the Knicks are winning, those kinds of things are intoxicating for a guy who wants to, you know, maybe have a change of scenery or or take that next step in his career and come to New York. I mean, they haven't had the opportunity to showcase that asset, you know, MSG in a playoff atmosphere that's you know they just haven't had the chance to, to really showcase that like on a you know on a stage like this between everybody having to stay home for a year mm-hmm. and the Knicks not being in the playoffs for eight years, those thirteen thousand fans Pent up are going to sound like a full house. They're oh, going to yeah. sound like more than a full house, and it's going to be the first time in a long time that the fans themselves are going to give the Knicks an actual home court advantage. I can promise you Madison Square Garden is going to be the loudest it's been in a very long time. And that's another thing that players take note of. They want to play. At least least the ones who want to win and the ones who, who like having the ball with the game on the line they want those fans being a sixth man on the court for them. The Damian Lillards of the world want loud fans. It's, it's, it's going to be loud at the Garden. That's going to be a full house. It's going to sound exactly like this. Full house. You know... <laughs> When I saw you pulling a clip up, I thought it was going to be a full house. I thought you were going to play Go New York, Go New York, Go. I, I thought you were going to play like uh, some of those clips on YouTube where uh, they show the starting lineups in a playoff game from the mid-90s. Actually, can you pull one of those up? I got you. If you look up like 1994 Knicks it, I playoffs. Got, I got you. It, see, now th- this song was great. Yeah, this is a good song. Is that, this captured the 90s. This was fantastic. Oh, now, that, okay. And if you're paying and, and then, attention. I mean, these are some great faces. Starks. I, that was Charles Smith. Anthony Mason. The guys in the suits. Oakley. The Knicks <laughs> City Dancers. <laughs> and I tweeted this out the other day. It's 94 and the Knicks are hardcore. It's a great... Greg Anthony, yeah. Derek. I love Derek Harper. But this team kind of has this kind of vibe to it. Like That's what it is. We talked about no. this a couple weeks ago. The fans will identify with this team. Yeah. They collar, like not, you know, like not flashy. Nope. 
Ewing does dunk in your face. He's right. This is strong. You know what I want this weekend? You remember like 1993 when they went into the playoffs and they they would turn all the lights out during the the starting lineups and they would have the laser writing on the court, which was so advanced for the time. And we look back now. So 90s. Right. We we look back now at how cheesy it was. I want it back. We'll we'll see. I mean, if you say that you want that, Dolan will not have it happen. Whatever, oh, you're right. You're whatever, right. Whatever the consensus of the Knicks fans are. Yeah, don't do that. I don't want that back. <laughs> yeah, Please don't bring that back. Yeah. That's it's funny because that's when I, when I keep thinking about all of this. Because again, I've just not, you know, I'm a Laker fan. I, so, but but I I think it's good for sports and basketball in general when the Knicks are good and MSG is going strong. I really do. And uh, you know, I don't have any like hatred for the Knicks or anything like that. Um, I look at them like, wow, they are really set up. Like they are really in a position and having the short-term success, which is not always part of it. Literally the only thing that can derail this is, is Dolan. Oh, absolutely. Like, which absolutely. is still very much in play. Absolutely. But everything else, you have like competent people running things like, like Leon, you know, Rose and World Wide West. Um, they could both be gone a year from you have now. A, you know, a solid coach who's, gotten the most out of this squad. You have everything positioned. You have ca- you've maintained cap room, draft picks. Like you, you are so set up to do great stuff. Literally, <laughs> and again, in a home playoff game, right out of COVID, like, you know, one of the, you know, first events in the area with fans. And literally the only thing that can screw it up is Dolan, and which is very much in play. That's the crazy, abusive relationship the Knicks fans have gone through. It's like... It's really wild. Like it's, he's the one thing that can thing like, like that can knock this whole thing off track. So the Knicks are Sunday. I believe the Nets are Saturday. Don't hold me to that one. I think they're Saturday. But tonight is Lakers Warriors yeah. playing. Yeah. Now I, we haven't spoken about this. What are your feelings on on this on the playing game in the NBA? Oh, I mean, I gotta see. Look. I, it's different, obviously. Sure. I like the concept of it. It sucks that the Lakers, had, you know, right after they're coming off a title, had a, you know, they got the injury buck bad, and I and they're still kind of playing with some, this squad is playing with some house money from last year's playoff, because that was a very emotional run with all the Kobe stuff and everything. So, you know, it sucks that they don't have, like, a little bit of a breather. But I also do think, though, because they've had basically, you know, all these different lineups and not their squad, core guys really together, you know, at, at, at like a lot of stretches in the season. I actually think it, it could, if they can get through it, it's a blessing in disguise because I think it'll force them to have to get the competitive kind of juices going. And I think it might be a good jump start for them. And obviously nobody would want to face them now coming healthy. Um, Curry's, no, no, no. Un- Curry's unconscious right now. Um, but I, I think, look, this, this season after, you know, because the bubble – was a novelty last year and, you know, had a certain kind of charm to it going through the pandemic. Um, this NBA season was a little kind of, I don't know, like it felt a little like disjointed and it hasn't had a ton of juice to it. I think the Knicks have been one of the best stories and that's uh, brought some good attention. I think it'll add a little excitement and kind of March Madness type of sure. type of excitement. I think that's a good thing. So, yeah, I, I look, it'll... it'll 
remains to be see how remains to be seen the quality of the games, which I think will be high. Um, I think it'll be overall net positive for for the league. I think it'll be a good thing. I think it depends on who's playing. So, for instance, you know, yesterday, I don't care about Indiana Charlotte in a playoff game in a playing. Although game. Lamelo Ball's good. Yes, he he's good. And and you know what? There's they're coming. Yes, and and uh, Demontis Sabonis in Indiana, he's good. I like yeah. watching him. Lamelo Ball is a lot of fun. A lot of fun to watch. But that being said, it's Indiana and Charlotte, and I, I don't. It, it doesn't. It doesn't move the needle for me. Yeah. But Lakers Warriors, it it in basically it really what would amount yeah. to a game seven in in any other uh, yeah. playoff situation. It, I don't know that it gets a whole lot better than this. It's good. Yeah, and that and that's why and that, and that this type of game. Look, it sucks. You know, the league, of course, I would want the Lakers or Warriors in multiple games. Yeah, they, they'd rather have it be, you know, the Western Conference Finals. Obviously, yeah. But, yeah, but just as, like, it's a good way to give credibility to the yes. concept. Oh, because having a game like that, yes, certainly, you know, moves the needle more than, uh, you know, Indiana, Charlotte. So, all good. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for it. It should be a good game, and, uh, you know, we'll see what the, uh, you know, what, what the Knicks can do. But. I'm going to take a nap so I can watch the whole thing. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I, I think, uh, yeah, I think, I think that, well, before, before you wrap it up, yeah, the Shawn Michaels doc. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Speaking of, uh, speaking of that, I didn't realize I was giving you that opportunity. DX. (laughs) I can connect anything. Um, (laughs) don't try me. (laughs) Um, yeah. It was interesting. I, I again, it's so we we're, were talking about this. These documentaries, you know, obviously they're WWE sanctioned, but A and E clearly has enough creative pull on it where it's the real story, as as close to the real story as you'll get with um with WWE involved because usually their stuff that's produced and distributed by them is just propaganda. Yes, clearly. Yeah, <laughs> like acting like none of these guys drink or take steroids or do drugs and. All that kind of stuff. So that to me has been the most, I don't know, like it's a dark kind of storyline, but it's refreshing to see like more truth to, you know, the, these stories. Um, so that was kind of thing, just like the, just like admittance by everybody from McMahon, Triple H, Marty Jannetty, and Shawn Michaels to just like how much of a shit show he was, but still performing at a crazy level. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just that kind of, I don't know, like like that kind of comparative part of it where it's like, yeah, you know, he would just go on the road and just take a whole bunch of drugs, but then put on like a five-star match that right. night. Like, it's just crazy. Just like, and it's just, everybody just conceded that, yeah, he has pretty much known Sean as just a shit show and also kind of a prick, like, you know what I mean, behind the scenes. But he's so good that like nobody can say anything. That you, you just deal with it. Yeah. So it was a very interesting watch from that point of view. Like just like yeah, like like, and you just wonder like, wow, like he's that good. Imagine he could have been even better. Like, is he truly like just didn't take care of himself? And so I, I I'm sure you know this about me, uh, but if you don't, I am a biography nut. I love. Any kind of yes. bio. I'm with you on that too. That's how, yeah. that's my. on and Really on anybody. Yeah. But those, when, when they start doing the juicy stuff, 
that 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 gets me every time. I I absolutely I'll stop what I'm doing yeah. and, and nothing else matters. If they're going to talk about Shawn Michaels drug use yeah. I, in a hotel room with Marty Jannetty and like the 80s and 90s, like forget about it. By the way, do you think they had to pay Marty Jannetty to even show up for that or just <laughs> feed him? I think Marty yeah. I uh, uh Steve Cohen had his chef make Marty Jannetty a little food. The, the only thing Marty Jannetty's a mess, but he was good. He was good in it. He was good. He seemed, you know, Almost of the right frame of mind. Almost. Like he was coming down. Yeah, almost. The only thing that that kind of got me on this doc, that kind of stopped it for me, was when Triple H made the comment. He said, you know, uh, so we, were, we were getting our asses kicked in the ratings, so I said, just put me and Sean together. And... There's your, you know, your one moment of WWE propaganda. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. There it is. Yeah, Triple that H is just he's saving always, grace. He just Triple H manages to 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 yeah. He's the he, Triple H is the hero of all of his own yes. stories. Yes, he met and he manages to put himself in the most key things. Yes, yeah. Like no, you didn't save it. Like you know what I mean. Like maybe the the concept of DX was a big part of it. Austin, sure. Austin yeah. was the one who, who, who shifted the whole. And and the funny thing is they said that a few weeks ago in his, in his yeah, bio, yeah, like triple H, <laughs> like triple H was not the, the singular force that, you know, saved WWE from WCW. He wasn't even in the top five. Yeah, yeah, I know. No, that's yeah. That's that's yeah. That's a, that's it the was propaganda. One Steve Austin, two D'Lo Brown and everybody else kind of yeah. fell in line after that. Yeah. Yeah, Triple H just gotta chill out. But other, you know, other always, than always, that, always the hero of his own story. That kind of stopped me dead. I had to yeah. pause it when he said that, and I had to walk away for a little bit because you know then how you're, I get. Then your uh, asthma and pollen. Right. Then I was like, I better get back inside, take take a hot shower, and get back on the couch as quickly as possible <laughs> before, so I can breathe again. <laughs> other yeah. than that. I thought it was a very enjoyable watch. This Sunday is the Ultimate Warrior. Yeah, Looking forward. going to be some real dark shit. If, if you like the juicy stuff like I do, and I know you do, yeah. this is going to be a good one. Yeah, but overall, they, these have been great. And yet just hearing McMahon like talk so openly about all the issues of all these guys is like, it's just crazy to me. It doesn't even, I feel like it's like not even real. Like, it, like you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, because I'm just, I've been so used to being programmed with propaganda for so long. It's like, what the fuck? Like, like all oh, masks off, huh? Like, it, we're just like, go, we're going all in, huh? He's totally, it seems like he's taken the gloves off. We're yeah. good to go. If whatever like, happened, crazy. happened. Let's talk about it. When in the past, it would have seemed like if you have to acknowledge that Shawn Michaels had some issues... They'll probably say yeah. he was fighting a speeding ticket or something, and they would have like produced some like like feel good like vignette about like how you know he like like his family issues, and then there was an injury, and like and like with like dramatic music and like showing like many, rehabbing, like how many like, they just went out right straight up to it, like I couldn't so, believe it. So you remember they always showed it, they always had uh, showed the uh, the special needs kid who kind of yeah, got yeah, over yeah, the yeah. barricade and Shawn Michaels had his arm around and walked yeah. back, walked him back to wherever he needed to go. And it was, and to, to Shawn Michaels' credit, it was a, a very good, it was a very nice feel-good moment where he yeah. stopped what he was doing to help a special needs child. I don't think they showed it in this, in this bio. So. When any other WWE produced anything, you know they're going to show that yeah. probably a million different times. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I didn't, I didn't pick up on that. None so. of, none of that, none of when, yeah. when the fans went crazy for him and the barricade oh. fell over, none of that. It was just, 
Him he, in a motel room. Here like, he is smoking crack with Marty Jannetty. Yeah, and like literally like, yeah, like trying to get Kevin Nash to like beat up people for him and like protect him from like, you know what I mean? Like just. Asking Scott Hall for yeah. a lighter and a spoon. Crazy. <laughs> Jesus, crazy. <laughs> Which yeah, he probably H, had tri- for him. <laughs> I'm sure he did. <laughs> Triple H just being the star of his own story. Oh God, just terrible. He's just, he's brutal. That was he's, the only yeah, thing. I had to walk but, away for a little bit but when that all happened. things considered, it was good. Yeah. I mean, the the closest attempt to them to, like, show, like, the, the good side of Shawn Michaels was, like, showing his work with NXT now, like, working yes. with the young. Yes. That's fine. That's fair. Right? You know, I mean, that's not, but like. But you have to show what he's doing now. That's it's fair. part of the biography. That's fair. That's fair. But, uh, no, I was happy with it. And, yeah, it's just it's just crazy seeing, like, any, the, the lid, like, the roof lifted off of some of this shit. Like, it's just, like, <laughs> it's a whole, it's just, it still bugs me out because it's, I'm not, I'm so not used to it. It's fun to watch. Oh, yeah. Oh, and good. I'm very much looking forward to the one on Sunday. Yeah. So Sunday, Knicks, Ultimate Warrior. It's crazy. It's going to be a good weekend. It's going to be a good one. Um, all right. Well, Pete, glad to have you uh, in studio here. Safe, all right. from, safe from the pollen. All right. Go ahead. I know I know you want to hit that. All right. I won't hit it. I won't hit it. No, no. Do it. It's okay. Get, get it. All right. So no, I want to thank everybody for listening. Get your shit in. Check it out. <laughs> I'm going to get my moves in. Uh, <laughs> everybody, uh, check us out at Pete and Faz, Pete and Faz Show on all social media stuff, except Instagram. Um, t-shirts for sale t-shirts on Bonfire. Sale. Bonfire.com, Pete and Faz T-shirts, get them while they're still available because you'll never be able to get them again. Ever. 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 They, ever. And, uh, yeah, as for everybody else, peace out.